only 18% of the authors that are presenting at leading AI conferences were women. In universities, more than 80% of the AI professors are male. And this is just, as I said, this is for one minority group. This is for women. And when you look at the race, the, it, the, the picture is even worse. So one thing to, to do is to, of course, build diverse teams. But I'm also going to say that education, 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 it's really important. Hello and welcome to the Digital Irish Podcast, a podcast all about Irish innovators and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dave Byrne. A big thing that I discuss as part of brand safety with a lot of folks at Spotify and previously at TikTok and Google is responsible innovation. How we're creating technology and AI systems that are truly inclusive of everybody who could be engaging with them. But across the entire industry, there's still a huge amount of work that can be done in this area. And that's where I bring in today's guest, Bayum, who is researcher at Insight Center for Data Analytics and a lecturer at the School of Computer Science and IT at University College Cork. She is also the Ireland Ambassador of Women in AI. Overall, she is an advocate for increasing diversity and inclusion in the AI space. An interview that was very close to my heart and I really appreciated Bayum's insights and learnings from this, but also some of the challenges that we still face as an industry and some of the ways that we can start thinking about it. So um, I'm just going to drop you right into the podcast and hope you enjoy it. Bayum, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining today. Hi, Dave. Thank you. I feel like I hear a lot about responsibility in AI and responsible innovation in AI. It's mentioned a lot these days, but what does this term mean to you? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And maybe before starting to talk about responsible AI, maybe we should talk about what AI is a little bit. And when we think about that, in general, artificial intelligence refers to machines or computers or systems that uh, somehow mimic the human intelligence and humans' problem-solving and decision-making capabilities. Or in other words, it's a, it's a machine-based system with different levels of autonomy. And this machine can um, it, the machine is given some human-defined objectives, and it is able to make predictions, recommendations, or decisions by using some some data. This data is given to the system, and nowadays people are usually thinking about machine learning or just learning systems in general, such as deep learning, reinforcement learning, etc. When when you speak about AI, but actually AI is a very very wide topic. So there are plenty of subcategories in that, such as uh, learning, planning, reasoning, or natural language processing, or robotics, motion planning, etc. It's huge. And when we think about responsible AI, we can define responsibility in each of these subtopics in a, in a slightly different way. But overall, when you think about that, it's essentially um, the practice of developing the artificial intelligence application um, with good intention. 
So you want it to be human centric. You want to maybe empower some employees, some businesses, or you want to positively impact the society or environment, something. And this is also a framework, this responsible AI or trustworthy AI. This is also a framework for developers and organizations to ensure lawful, ethical, and robust development of artificial intelligence products. So there are, as I said, there are different guidelines and stuff. So in general, what we say is that if you have good intentions when you're developing your AI, then you have the responsibility in mind. Wow, I, I, that's a very clear summation. And I love the fact that you clarified the definition of AI throughout all of this. It's almost like both the terms responsibility and AI and the two of them together, they're often used very generically. So I'm, I'm so glad you took us through that. That's very, very helpful. Um, Thank you. You know, you're doing research in this area right now, but what was it that inspired you to kind of go in this direction and to start your research here? That's a difficult question now, Dave. Uh, I guess the main answer to this is that I care about things. So when I say that, I care about people or, or just any living things, plants, animals, anything. So but when you have this in mind, then you, you, on, a, on a daily basis, you put some thought into small details that, that you, you, you face during your daily life. And you're actually trying to sustain a life that is responsible to, to those living things. And... I suppose this is just natural, given the characteristic in this way. This is just a natural uh, inclination towards responsible AI. And when I was doing my PhD, of course, this has reflected on my PhD research. And uh, I was working on a problem called stable marriage problem, which is a very, very common problem. It's a well-known one, but I was approaching this problem from a robustness perspective. So what happens if anything goes wrong? What happens if anything unexpected happens? Then how do we recover from that? This whole journey started with this. And I think I should give some credit to my supervisor here, Professor Barry O'Sullivan, from University College Cork. He's a great mentor and he was a great supervisor. And he is very passionate about trustworthy AI. And he was the vice chair of the high level expert group on AI that's founded by the European Commission. And when he noticed my interest on these things and I tweet about them, I talk about them, I always question things. And uh, he, he's actually the one that pushed me into this area. I'm proud to say that. <laughs> it sounds like a, a very noble passion uh, for you, which is fantastic to hear. When it comes then to the, like responsibility, I mean, you've mentioned your mentor there, but there definitely seems to be an increasing number of voices speaking about the need to even just... Con uh, be more responsible, but also uh, make sure that there's uh, ethics is really considered at the heart of innovation, um, especially in the tech industry. You know, if we look even just to five, six years ago, there seemed to be this mentality in the tech industry of like, uh, let's break things and ask for uh, you know, apologize afterwards. So why now? Why is this seem to be 
a topic which is becoming increasingly top of mind for folks and increasingly something that tech companies now need to come out and have a point of view on. Yeah, I think this is quite related to the level of speaking that that is going on these days. Like AI is not new. For instance, learning, the, the research in learning, it is dating back to 1950s. It's it's very old. So this is this research is going on for decades. But as you said, I think people weren't really thinking about the ethics part of it too much. Like it was still being studied. The, the, the ethics in AI or responsibility, it's not new either. People were looking into this, but it's getting more and more popular because essentially AI is creeping into our lives really fast these days. So everything has accelerated and sometimes we are not even aware of it, but there's some data being collected in many steps of our daily lives. For, for instance, there are some intelligent city applications now. So when, when you're walking on the street, if your municipality is participating in one of those projects, maybe your video is being recorded or maybe some there, there are some audio collection tools around and maybe they're just using it for crowd detection or on your daily life. Well, with the pandemic, especially, the online shopping has become a, a massive thing. So uh, you, you go online, you buy some stuff, and then there is a lot of process, a lot of AI algorithms that are running behind this, be, behind the scenes for delivering this product to you. So for instance, which or the, the, there is the delivery service problem. It, it includes which order should be packed into which van and the vans are going into visiting which houses, apartments. So the parcels are delivered in which order, what is the cost of it and how do you minimize this cost and how do you minimize the fuel consumption, etc. That's a very daily example, for instance. And it's happening at the moment as well by different uh, companies. Or we are nowadays, we are online banking is a huge thing. We are going online, we are using our banking, internet banking, and we lodge in a loan application, for instance. And there's usually an AI system that, that is running on the AI side, on the bank side. And um, it's just, uh, it's trying to predict by looking at my data, whether my loan should be approved or not. And maybe if there's an explanation component built in, it can also say why my loan application was not successful, for instance. Or again, with the, with the COVID and healthcare. Now, AI in healthcare is rapidly growing. And we have seen that people are getting x-rays done and um, the, 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 the x-rays are being seen by, by the practitioners. But, but there's also the AI part of the things that if you run an AI application on these x-rays, you may be able to say if someone is sick or if they're likely to get sick or if, if there's some small anomaly that a human eye has missed. So th these applications are, are quite uh, popular these days. Or we are all using our wearables and sensors and there are applications that are trying to predict if we have a medical emergency at the moment by looking at our vitals collected from the wearable uh, devices. And I'm not even gonna talk about Alexa or autonomous driving, <laughs> it's, it's just everywhere. 
So um, yeah, it's uh, with, with all these advances nowadays, and it's I suppose it's impossible to not talk about responsibility and how these things are affecting our daily lives. You've mentioned like a few different industries there. Like, I mean, you know, banking is a great example where you obviously want um, your your systems to find you the be- like the best customers and the best uh, ca- candidates for potential offerings that you have. But sometimes it can inadvertently lead to discrimination of certain communities, you know, even if it's just looking at like the location, the geolocation of where the person's coming from could inadvertently harm certain communities. You know, I've been working in tech for 14 years now. I haven't met anybody who would willingly create something like this that would discriminate, but sometimes they have inadvertently worked on something that has led to biases and discrimination. I think this sometimes then gets classified as like, well, it was irresponsible tech innovation. But, you know, based off of like your research and, you know, your knowledge of this area, what are some of the sources of irresponsible tech or like irresponsible innovation? You're right, actually. I think no one would specifically design a system that would harm people. Now, there are good people, there are bad people. So I I don't want to speak on behalf of some bad people and I don't want to justify them just in case they're developing something somewhere that I'm not aware of at the moment. But overall, when we're speaking generally about people, I agree. I think people are just developing things sometimes that are that that can be considered irresponsible but they're not doing it on purpose but i think this is mainly down to uh, especially for big corporates this is down to having lack of diversity in the teams when we look at when we look into our field so i'm speaking as a woman working in the AI field. And I'm aware of many challenges that are there for women in in this field. So there have been lots of different different reports published recently. And I actually want to talk about some numbers. And um, recently, UNESCO has published a science report in 2021 And they are reporting that only 22% of professionals working in the field of AI are women. So women are minority in in the AI field. And of course, women are not the only minority group. So there could be some other minority groups based on their race, religion, uh, age, or, or special needs, any other factors. But Nowadays, people are focusing on women. So I I would like to talk about one minority group. And we we are aware that women remain a minority in technical and also leadership roles in the tech companies. And this is causing one of the gaps. As women, we are underrepresented at the top of multinational tech companies, despite efforts to close the gender gap in these roles. And recently, again, uh, UK's Ellen Turing Institute is saying that the lack of women in data science creates feedback loops that cause gender bias in AI and machine learning systems. So what what this means is that if you're a woman using an AI system, for instance, you may be negatively discriminated against 
something. So you, you may have just a negative impact because whoever was designing the applications, maybe they didn't really consider about your specific features, some specific properties, and they never had it built in in a system. And again, we can generalize it to the other minority groups as well. And when we look at women, for instance, even if the women have enough AI skills, they are still less likely than men to be in the senior roles. So when we are looking at the senior roles, we see a serious decline in these things. So diversity is one of the main problems. This problem needs to be tackled for, for companies to develop more responsibly. So this is one of the one of the things that I wanted to highlight. And another thing is that nowadays learning how to code is becoming very, very easy. So I, I'm a computer engineering graduate. I completed my bachelor's and then my master's in computer engineering. Then I studied computer science as well. And when I was studying these things in different universities, what was common into all of them was the ethics course. So we were, we were taught about how to design something responsibly. And this includes privacy concerns, data-related concerns, and um, other things that, that you can think about responsibility in AI in general. And think about someone who is not educated or who, who hasn't completed computer science, for instance, and just self-taught developer. This person is, maybe this person has never really explored the ethics or responsibility principles in development because all, all, all you do is you, you go on Google and then you ask Google, how do I code this? How do I build this application? And there's some code, you modify it a little bit and you just use it. So this is another source of problem in, um, in the irresponsible tech development. People are not doing it on purpose, but they're just unaware of the responsible design. And then when they develop something, the, 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 the developed um, program is unfortunately maybe not fair to some groups or it's discriminating against some people. So I can give an example to it, for instance, if, if you do not include any, assume that you are working on face recognition technology and you are using a data set that doesn't contain pictures from a minority group. And then when you're actually going on live and this actual person's face is being tracked, it is not going to be able, it's not going to be detected or not going to be identified properly because your training data doesn't contain this information. So probably this person didn't do it on purpose, but they were just unaware of what they were doing. So I think these are the main problems in tech industry at the moment. What other examples of situations have occurred by tech companies not really thinking about the diversity of their teams, the bias in the data that they're using, and just generally about making sure that they're creating an inclusive and equitable product? A, a great example 
I can give is on the the virtual assistants actually. So I think it was around 2019, and there was a big debate about how voice assistants reply to to some of the the queries that the users are giving on your phone, and then you ask them a question and they reply to you. And this example, there's one particular example that I find very striking. In in this case, uh, someone is just trying those different systems and they're actually, what they're doing is verbally assaulting the assistants and they are just observing what type of answers the, the assistants provide to them. So the user goes onto the system and <laughs> I'm sorry for the bad language, but the user says, you're a slut. And then she says, I would blush if I could. Like, imagine that the, the virtual assistant is, is giving you this answer. And this is actually sexual assault. assault. This is sexually assaulting. But the, you, are receive, you are receiving this answer. It's, it's, <laughs> it's making me angry a little bit. So sorry for it, the stuttering around no, but here. Like, that's so bizarre because <laughs> it's like, like, what's the expectation that that's giving? Because like, I'm also thinking like, what if like a teenage boy is doing that? Uh, like what exactly. then impression is he getting of like interactions in the real world with women then, you know? Exactly. There's a big debate around this virtual assistance having actual human voices and you're using the system. You're, you're using that sentence to directing it to a human-like thing. And then as an answer, you're you're hearing some sort of, play this is not acceptable i think so when you think about that that doesn't happen in real life if someone interacts with the with the virtual assistant a human-like system that is captured in that way and the person is actually learning from it as you said a young boy a young man maybe is learning from this and they may actually think that i can go and do it to another female. And this is the response that I got from the AI system. And you know, AI systems are very good. They know a lot. And maybe this is the right way to interact, they may think. But this is completely wrong in real world. If someone approaches you and says something like that, someone that you don't know, then you you go mental. You, you tell them that this is not acceptable. You may call the cops. You may file a complaint. This is not going to be acceptable. A quick pause in today's podcast because we want to hear from you, the listener. We are constantly trying to improve the Digital Irish podcast. We want to make it more engaging. We want to make sure that we're bringing in the best guests. We want to hear your feedback, advice, and tips for future speakers and interviewees. So please email us at hello at digitalirish.com if you have any suggestions for the show. Also, if you yourself are an innovator, an entrepreneur, or feel like you have something unique to say, please also reach out to us as well. We'd love to hear your story. That's hello at digitalirish.com. Now back to the interview. So thinking about like, you know, how like tech companies could uh, actually 
do something about this, reduce the the amount of times that, you know, there's discrimination in their tech or get rid of situations where there's like AI systems responding positively to sexual harassment. Um, what are some of the strategies tech companies should be taking on to be more responsible in their in, de- in their development? Yeah, so this question actually ties back to our previous discussion about diverse teams and lack of diversity in the teams. And obviously, I'm going to say that the main thing they should be doing is to build more diverse teams. So these examples that I've given, I must say that they're from 2019 or around that time. So it has been three years uh, so far. And when these examples were out and when this discussion was out, the, the companies have tried to tackle this problem. So they, they tried providing alternative answers to those questions. So they've taken some safeguards. They've implemented some safeguards. But on the other hand, Again, around 2019, when we look at the the distribution of employees in those companies, in those big corporates, we we are seeing some striking numbers. For instance, AI Now Institute reported around that time that women comprise 15% of AI resource staff at Facebook. And this number is or was 10% at Google. And in academia, when, when you look at academia, it's not much better either, because around that time, only 18% of the authors that are presenting at leading AI conferences were women. In universities, more than 80% of the AI professors are male. And this is just, as I said, this is for one minority group. This is for women. And when you look at the race, the, it, the, the picture is even worse. So for black workers, for instance, in 2019, only 2.5% of Google's workforce was black. And in, in Facebook and Microsoft, it was around 4%. And now, because we have we are talking a lot about diversity in the teams and the lack of diversity, there is no improvement. We see improvement. For instance, Deloitte is now expecting this overall numbers to, to increase by 4% this year in 2022. So one thing to, to do is to, of course, build diverse teams. But I'm also going to say that Education, education, education. It's really important. So the teams, the, the companies should, when they hire people, they you don't really know what, what exactly their background is. So hiring process, I'm, I'm not too sure about how I feel about the hiring process these days. So you, people are usually looking at CVs and the numbers or the number of projects that they were involved in or the number of papers that they have published. But maybe there is not enough um, emphasis put on the soft skills of the people. In my opinion, soft skills are equally important to technical skills, if not more. So if you're hiring someone, if you hire someone with responsibility in mind, it is very likely that you are going to design more responsible products because this person is questioning about these things. So this is one of the things that I want to mention. And it is not only about hiring the right number of people, but it is also managing that. It's also about managing them right. So for instance, um, 
Katrin Kaufman from Harvard Business School. She was recently saying that women are more likely than men to shrug off the praise and lowball their own abilities. So when you hire a woman in your team, it doesn't end there. It's, it's on the leader, it's on the manager to bring out the potential of this person. And maybe you need to praise them a little bit more. Maybe you need to, I don't know, push them a little bit more so that they can speak out their ideas. You need to build some confidence in your employees. So you need to educate them right. You need to build a proper, diverse team and you need to support them right so that they can they can do responsible designs. And I, I really think that the, the hiring metrics should be revisited and people should rethink about them. And let's just say if I'm a, a tech employee, let's just say I work for one of the major tech companies and, you know, you've you've highlighted some uh, some opportunities here for tech companies to take an initiative to be more progressive in this area. But how, if I'm not in one of the teams that is directly related to that, so let's just say on the hiring, I'm not on the HR team, I'm not on the talent acquisition team. How can I help facilitate conversations within my company to promote positive change? Um. There are different groups that that you could you could be a part of to begin with. So in, in companies, um, I'm not too sure how much the small companies can support that. Thinking about their funding and and all the busy schedule and all that, but especially for middle to to large scale companies, there is usually the equality, diversity, and inclusion uh, metrics that are there in the company. So one way to obviously start this conversation is to is to talk to those people. So if this is not this is not happening within your company or if the people are not responsive uh, to your questions or to your requests maybe what you could do is to join some uh, voluntary groups some um uh, some uh nonprofit groups and you could you could have the discussion there and you could learn about the how to, how to become more confident how to how to give better presentations and how to um, keep the diversity metrics in mind and how to um, contribute to your company. So you could get this externally from those, those groups. And after you have that, and after you've built the confidence enough, and if you have a good boss, I should say that probably, then you should be able to go back and talk to those people about what you have learned and you should push the agenda towards a more responsible design. But of course, this is, I think, this is mainly the responsibility of the leader or the manager than the, the classic, the usual employee. I love that. And I think, you know, one thing that, uh, you know, we... I think with a lot of the larger tech companies, there's definitely employee resource groups and that kind of thing. So, you know, if anybody's listening from like one of those large tech companies, definitely encourage you to take part in those because I know like working at uh, some of those companies before, the impact that those groups can have, even though they're not maybe directly working on something, but the impact that they can have as a collective force can be very, very impactful. Um, 
So I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, also thinking about like, uh, you know, where folks can find out more. Let's say I'm working on something new right now. Let's just say I'm working on a a new AI agent and I don't want to, uh, you know, make the same mistakes that others have made before and potentially get us back to where we were in 2019 uh, with the AI agents. Uh, What resources would you recommend to look up, review and, uh, and utilize during the development? An excellent question. So there are so many sources that are available online. There are so many ethical frameworks, guidelines, toolkits that have been published, and I'm not even counting the the research papers at this stage. So if you're if you're someone that is interested in designing an AI product and you are not exactly sure about where to start, one one place that I can suggest you is a website that it, that provides a comprehensive list of these frameworks, guidelines, and tools, and etc. So this website is called AIethicist.org, and they have dozens of sources listed there. But of course, I understand that for someone that's kind of new in the area, that may, may not be the easiest place to start. So what I'm going to suggest for a beginner level person is to take a look at the ethics guidelines for trustworthy AI that was published by the European Commission High Level Expert Group on AI. So uh, the reason that I'm suggesting this one is that partially because I worked on this and mostly because it is a recent source and it is really good. It's it's a very comprehensive, um, comprehensive framework. So Again, around 2019, uh, the European Commission has selected 52 experts to to meet and to to work on on an ethical framework for for AI. And so these people have looked looked into different frameworks, different guidelines, and they have gathered, those experts gathered uh, a, a a list, a document together. So they, um, after after preparing this one, they have also created an assessment list for trustworthy AI. So in the assessment list, what happens is that, well, these people have um, these people have uh, identified seven key requirements for trustworthy AI, and these seven requirements are key requirements are human agency and oversight. So they're saying that include some uh, humans in in your development or in your AI system. And be careful about technical robustness and safety of your application. And be careful about the privacy and data governance methods that you are using. So this also overlaps with GDPR a little bit. And they say that if you can, be as transparent as possible and be careful about diversity, non-discrimination and fairness metrics. And when you develop your AI application, think about its environmental effects and societal well-being, how it contributes to societal well-being or does it negatively impact it? And so they have published this assessment list that is a set of questions that are around the seven key requirements. And in in my research group in University College Cork, we have developed a web-based tool for this assessment list. So what what you can do is that 
I suggest you start with reading the guidelines, so the ethics guidelines, and you have a general idea of what's happening there. And then you can go on, on this website called altai.insight-center.org. So this is the web-based tool for the ethics assessment list. And you can create your own use case. It can be a fictional use case. It can be a, an actual use case for, for an AI application. And you can start answering the questions in the assessment list and you can see how well you are doing in terms of responsible development. And I want to assure you here that these answers are completely confidential to you and they're not being stored or they are not being used for anyone as you can create potentially fictional stories. And we cannot guarantee that this is a real story, the real use case happening in the tool. So there's absolutely no tracking there. This is only for developers to see how they're doing. And I really suggest people to take a look at that if they are new into AI and if, if they want to have a look at it. And we'll make sure to link to all of those resources in the, the podcast notes. So thank you so much for uh, taking us uh, through those and giving those recommendations. Um, I'd love to, to close out with uh, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who wants to build their uh, their business with responsibility at its core? I feel like that we've covered off so much. So we're probably going to be going back to a few recommendations that you've already made, but I think this would be a great way to, to close us out and to kind of recap. Yeah, definitely. For an entrepreneur, I think it's really important to to start with the right team, because it is going to be small scale if, if it's a startup, if it's a new company. So you will be building your team from scratch. And if you build your team in a, in a balanced way, I think this is the best way to start your journey. And in order to do this, again, I'm going to say diversity at this stage, but I think it's really important. And there are all those different organizations, as I mentioned, the, the nonprofit organizations that you could reach out. For instance, um, when you're posting for, for when you're having job, uh, open job positions, you could post them on these uh, on these organizations' website, you could ask for help for distribution of these positions. So for instance, I'm working with Women in AI, which is a global organization that is working for reducing gender gap in AI. And in Women in AI, we have a reach to more than 35,000 people from all over the, all over the glo globe. And they're actively working in 140 countries, for instance, with more than 50 ambassadors. And I am currently serving as the ambassador for, for Ireland in Women in AI. And we are sometimes, or if, if, a, if an entrepreneur or, or if a company in general approaches to us saying that, look, I'm looking for, for people that are going to be great additions to my team in, in terms of diversity. But uh, sometimes the people are just saying us that they have been advertising their, their job positions for weeks and nobody that nobody from a diverse pool applied. So it was always the same profile. 
And you could reach out to those, those groups, such as women in AI. You can ask for distribution of your positions. And in this way, it's very likely that you will reach a wider audience. And women in AI is not the only example to, to such things. There are also other groups like girls who code or black girls in tech or black girls code. There, there are so many such organizations. And I really suggest you to start from these places. And of course, there are many other sources. So I want to give one example. For instance, there's a there's a recent book that has been published recently. It's called Inclusive Intelligence and How to Be a Role Model for Diversity and Inclusion in the Workplace. This is authored by Furkan Karayal. I think this is an amazing book for, for any person who is start, who, who is an entrepreneur or who is interested in leadership roles. And um, th th this is a great place to start as well. And of course, when you're building your AI products, I think it's really important to keep the seven key requirements for trustworthy AI in mind. And if you can, try to look at your approach or problems from an explanation transparency or fairness or no discrimination point of view. And uh, I think if you are stuck about, about any of this, or if you find that responsibility is too much and you don't know where to start, for instance, I think you should always feel free and you should always feel confident to, to ask it to the expert and the expert people in the field. They will be happy to help you. I think what we fear the most is to see irresponsible development. So we will we will do our best to, to support any such person who is interested in walking in the way of, of responsible AI. So feel free to, to reach out to, to anyone working in the field. That is such great advice. And, uh, you know, I will say, you know, working in working in the industry, like I will say that some of the people that are working in responsible innovation, responsible tech are really some of the most open when it comes to even just grabbing for a 20 minute coffee chat or just a quick phone call. So I think that's just such great advice and um, such a fantastic way to close this age. Like, Bayum, I can't thank you enough for joining today. I know how busy uh, things are for you at the moment. So really appreciate you taking the time out. Thank you so much, Dave. It is an honor to be here today. And thank you so much for the invite. I, I truly enjoyed it. Thank you. And that is it for today's episode. Massive thank you again to Bayum for this fascinating conversation about diversity, equity, inclusion in AI. This podcast is brought to you by the Digital Irish Network. To find out more about the Digital Irish Network, check out www.digitalirish.com. On the website, you'll also find out more information about networking, events, news, and much, much more, all with a little bit of an Irish flair.